This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, hello. Another episode of Enemies. I'm Lisa Traeger. It's been so great. I've uh, met some enemies listeners out on the road um so thanks for saying something very very sweet very cool today cool guest and as you can imagine this will be rushed um and i'll complain i'll have time for everything do not worry if you're a new listener whatever welcome um no thrilled you're here okay so i'm also doing stand-up in what's it called in birmingham alabama um, after the That's Messed Up Live. So Saturday early, we're doing the podcast, and the night we're doing stand-up. So come see us, um, and then we're, you'll, since we'll, when this comes out, you'll still have time to even see us in Atlanta. We're out and about in the Nashville Sunday podcast, Tuesday stand-up, whatever. Got it. Had to do that. Um, so, okay, so today, obviously, a variety came out, thrilling, you know, the attention, the likes, the serotonin, dopamine, it's rushing, you know, a lot of blue check marks are doing little heart emojis, and I like that, I can't deny it. Um, we interviewed a fantastic actor earlier for something else, and that felt very... <sighs> I, can't, I would have to IMDb if he's married or not, and hopefully stay tuned for a huge announcement. No, but I'm in Michelle Buteau's Netflix show. Um, I can't believe it. It's so fun. She's so talented, and, you know, Honey's been auditioning, and to book such a fantastic job, everything is meant to happen for me like it should. JK, okay, for everybody. Um, also, we are on the road, and so, but, like, the tech writer sent out everything. This motherfucker took two and a half hours, didn't have the cord, said something else came up, took personal phone calls while we're trying to do a sound check in between like driving through cities, flying, shooting a TV show, taping this right now while having to get dressed and do my hair and makeup and like then send out another audition today and then we're in a different city tomorrow. And then the ne- like, and you can't fucking get the tech shit right? I, you know... The DC Improv was fantastic. I'd love to give a shout out to them. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to name names <laughs> about anything, but I will say it's unacceptable. If you have a writer that explains every single thing we need, why isn't it already? Why are the mics not here? Why don't you have the cord when we said we need videos with sound? It is just appalling, the unprofessionalism out in the world. Um, and you're really affecting people. My friend said this, oh, we're quiet quitting. You're fucking up regular people's lives with your quiet quitting. This is our life and you're fucking with it. Um, and this isn't about capitalism, okay? This is about us living our dreams. Okay, I did, me and my friend Kara do have adjoining rooms, and I do feel like I just heard the dun-dun of an SVU episode, but I could be just in my heart and head at all times. Um, so that's the thing, positive variety, um, you know, negative, dumb butts, but we're gonna, it's, everything is fun and fantastic. Do I have strong opinions about other things? Maybe, but not enough time, and we have a fantastic guest, and it was really dramatic because at first we lost... Um, the footage and we couldn't find it the audio and things were missing and it finally came out from underground so i'm very um proud and happy that this is happening because i had such a good combo um and we had a good time her name is muna muna meyer so she's a tv writer and segment producer and she's very cool she worked at Jesus and miro we talk about that we touch on that drama of course um all the hot button issues on this podcast and she worked on the rundown with robin Thede, and um she writes and 
does videos for Condé Nast and a lot of publications. I was obsessed with her. I'm very um, thrilled that she is here and that you're going to enjoy this episode. Thank you so much. Hello, Muna. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm happy to meet you. I am dying to know. Now, do you know the band Muna? And are people bringing up Muna to you now all the time? Yes, and yes. <laughs> um, I actually get like tagged in there. Like people mean to tag them on social media, and they tag me instead. <laughs> yeah, I know the. Um, I'm friendly with the guitarist. Mm. Um. Well, you a, so is it is it fluffy hair, red hair, or short hair? Fluffy, yeah. I know fluffy too. Yeah, Naomi. Yeah, yeah Naomi. Exactly. Um, I would love to meet in person one day, uh, but they're they're like kind of like a queer emo power pop band, which is like a little on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love them. Big fan. Um, that's amazing. So you're in New York, you're in Brooklyn, and I think you know one of my old roommates slash friends, Alex English, yes. from maybe your time on um, Robin Thede's show. The Rundown, yes. Alex English is hilarious. Um, that was like a, a short-lived writer's room, but it was a really great writer's room. A lot of amazing people worked on that show. Well, Everyone went off to do huge things. Yeah, exactly. Um, Robin has her sketch show now. Alex is on SNL. Uh, Jordan Temple is on Abbott Elementary. <laughs> Janelle is everywhere. Yeah, they all blew up. Z-Way. Oh, my God. Z-Way as well. And um, Lauren Ashley Smith. Lauren is Ashley part Smith. Of exactly. The sketch show as well. Yes. Oh, they're yes. Um, I actually went to the Paley Center panel for that. Oh, how was that? Um, it was for Robin Thede's show, I mean, the rundown. Oh, 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 I remember that. Yeah, it was years and years and years ago, but I love the Paley Center so much. And I was living with Alex at the time, so I went. I feel like I should know what it is. What is the Paley Center exactly? It's like the T it's like a TV history center, I would say. Gotcha. And I don't know if they do archival shit or anything like that, but they do panels. So tons of TV shows um do panels there and people interview. And I did go to an SVU one once. But um, I was actually in a side room watching on a TV screen because so many people were there. So that was embarrassing, but it was still a thrill. <laughs> saw iced tea on the carpet, saw Mariska. But um, yeah, they just do really good panels. But usually I'm pissed because I want to be doing the interviewing. But you were not there. I was not there. Um, I should have been there, but I was not. I probably had a conflict or something. Lauren Ashley Smith says something that has stuck with me this um, since then, where she was explaining like having a show on BET was like the first time in a room she didn't have to like no one had to translate for white people. That it was yeah. like the first time that you could just kind of like be black and write what you want without translating. And I was wondering your thoughts on that. Agree. It was amazing. I mean, the writer's room was all black except for one white guy named Doug, which was just <laughs> yeah. like a perpetual joke. Um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of translation because it was meant for a black audience. It was great. Like, I remember Lauren Ashley Smith had this amazing sketch about like 
the handmaiden's tale, except it was like the hair maiden's tale. Uh, and there were just like, you know, a lot of like hair centered humor that maybe wouldn't translate to a different audience. Um, it was also like a uniquely like black female show as well, um, which I loved. Robin is hilarious. And I don't know, it's just, it's kind of rare to see that in the late night space. It's a very white space if I'm going to keep it a buck. Um, yeah, you know, and same thing with Deuce and Marrow. It's just nice not to have to translate. Well, Jesus and Miro, this is the enemy's podcast. You're in the center of a huge conflict. Well, uh, not the center, of, <laughs> but you know that really rocked um, that rocked Reddit for a few days. You probably assumed you were coming in for season three. Yeah, um, season four actually. But season four, my bad. Yeah, no, we all thought it was going to happen, um, or at the very least, like we thought we would make it to the end of this season. Before we like got news um, as to whether we were going to be renewed or not, so it was it was quite a shock to the system. Uh, I don't think there's anyone who would disagree with that. A lot of looking myself in the mirror, and that's showbiz baby after afterwards. But um, yeah, I, I, it's definitely the most high stakes dramatic way I've ever lost a job. I wasn't privy to a lot of it, which sucked, you know? <laughs> it fucking sucked. It's just like there's stuff going on in the background, you're not aware of it, and that's And there that. was no sense. That was there wasn't an energy that like shifted or anything. That's pretty impressive on their part, I would say. Or sociopathic, like I don't know which one. I feel if I was mad at someone, everyone would know, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm bad at hiding that, too. Uh, it was very professional, I guess, until it wasn't, right? They're great guys, so I think it was just, like, legitimately a bummer. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and hopefully they'll find each other away in, like, back in their lives again in some capacity or not. But... Yeah, no, it was like, it was a sickening place to work while it lasted. You know what I mean? It was fun as hell and like work is not fun obviously there were times it was not fun but like I laughed genuinely not like the laugh where you feel obligated to laugh um a lot you know so I met them years ago on a on an MTV2 show called Joking Off and I learned so much from them and not like they were teaching or anything but they're at, their energy was so casual and it was all about fun and quote unquote, like not caring. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is how I'd like to be on sets. And I really loved their relaxed energy. And when I did their vice show, there was no writers. There was no, like, that was like how everyone's dream. I think mm -hmm. it's like for them to not need a script or anyone or anything pre-planned and that they were able to be captivating on television raw like that is it was such a gift and have fun and so it is it is wild to see it yeah but this happens to so many professional partnerships I imagine it's tough to be like yoked to someone like that which like what other what are some examples what are you thinking of I don't know how many of them are public. Mm. <laughs> I don't know about that so we'll bleep the names but we can talk about it mm -hmm. so 
are no longer friends. I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, I assumed, but I didn't know for sure. Yeah. This next one will definitely bleep, but they're not really friends anymore. They don't hang out. They don't, you know, they took a, they took a two month break. Tough. I I know the Broad City girls are together and they're friends and that makes me happy. But I do a podcast with my friend Kara Mm -hmm. and we both discuss like, we'll go to fucking mediation or couples therapy before we ever like fuck up our money. And the podcast. Yeah. Fucking up the bag is crazy, dude. Cause they, you know, um, Jesus and Miro were beloved, are beloved. Are beloved. And I'm sure are. there are future bags, right? Tough. <laughs> we just always, cause I feel I've struggled with communication in a lot of my friendships mm-hmm. and with this podcast and it being a friend, it's um, sharpened me because we can't let th- we can't let things get bad. We're not fucking this up. And mm-hmm. so we've we have to when we annoy each other, we know how to move on and we talk about stuff right away because we can't really risk it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense. Do you feel like you have to be more boundaried at all or is it just kind of like you need to talk more? Listen, I don't know how your pandemic was, where we were, what was happening. For me, I was in a pod mm-hmm. with um, t- two other couples with kids and another married couple and then me. And that was my pod. So it was like four girls, three guys, and then a bunch of kids. Wow. And our friendship became, vi- I mean, we were the only people we saw. I'm sure lots of people can relate to that. And yeah, so then yeah. once the world opened up again, there was going to be shifts in that friendship. And I just moved to LA. So it's like, are there boundaries? Sure. But I think they're just normal life because we were so intertwined because of the pandemic. I mean, we were like, when it first opened up, we had a lot of problems in the group where it was like, well, I feel left out. And it's like, no, everyone's allowed to live and do what they want outside Mm -hmm. the pod. Mm -hmm. But it kind of took a little bit to, um, stop feeling left out or territorial or like what's going on yeah no that makes that makes sense I feel like my relationships changed over the pandemic in a similar way where you know people that were in that pod I think the intimacy like deepened in almost like an unnatural way where it's like unnatural is a perfect word (laughs) you know what I mean or it's like we just like fucking fast forwarded but it's not bad where we are. I love it, right? But mm-hmm, like bonding, lots of bonding. Yeah, and it's like you become, you know, you see the inner. It's just too deep. I, unnatural was such a great word to use. Like you should not be seeing your friends and their families every single day, constantly going no. to houses. Like, and then um, that's not how adult friendship usually works. Right. People have lives. <laughs> Right. And then there's the opposite end of it where it was like some people just wound up being alone a lot of the time, which I also heard from friends either because, you know, they had to be super cautious for whatever reason or I don't know. They had a breakup um, partway through, which, you know, also happened and that sucked for people. There were also like unnatural pandemic relationships, uh, which, you know, I'm now pandemic married, which is fucking bizarre. Also, you got married during the pandemic. No, pandemic married as in like was in a relationship 
shortly before the pandemic hit, that was casual. The pandemic hit and we wound up again, just like unnaturally close. Um, And now are like in a committed long-term relationship where there was like next to no intention behind initially, right? It was just like circumstance that we're like scared the world is ending, so we're gonna we're gonna be together. And then So we you don't w- think it would have happened that way without the pandemic? You think it would have been in like a casual fling, or you would have eventually found yourselves in this kind of committed thing? I mean, I think we would have gotten here eventually, but it probably would have been like relatively protracted compared to how fast it happened like we we were seeing each other for like five months maybe before oh okay that's like that's like a substantial amount of time i think too you know yeah (laughs) like yeah it's it's a good amount of time it's a good amount of time it's not like move in together amount of time though um have you been watching indian matchmaking no okay too close to home (laughs) it really Seema from Mumbai really has affected me I would say I think um I really liked watching the show but the beginning of every episode and it's leading because my friend and one of my good friends from junior high her parents were arranged and they hated each other so Mm -hmm. I know this is like a fluffy (laughs) interpretation but it was like um the start of every episode is uh, an older couple that's been married for 25 35 40 years Mm -hmm. and they talk about like we only met for 10 minutes or this and that and like the forceness of intimacy and growing into love and stuff i don't know i would not want that but i really was taken by the show and Seema from mumbai no brown parents love to point to that example (laughs) of like the one couple that's like oh fuck we were actually meant for each other and have been together for however long i think a good part of that is convenience um just like cultural pressure uh but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I always felt like, you know, if I don't like this, I'm going to bounce like after circumstances change. Right. I never felt like I feel like there's like a a gravity to Indian matchmaking that I feel like I would be remiss to sort of compare this to. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Like- the dates are like straight up with the family or they go, you know, like you come into That's the house, crazy. you meet the whole family and then you go bowling or something. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My parents or yeah, my parents just met my partner like not left, like a few months ago and uh, we'd been together. What is oh, my God, time. Um Years, 2020, we'll 2021. Yeah, three years. Oh, my God. It was three years in um, August. But they knew he existed. They did. Yeah, they. They, them. Um, okay, sorry. They did know. And, I mean, I'm not super close with my dad in terms of, like, we don't really, like, talk about stuff like that. But my mom knew. My mom actually liked them. Like, even just, like, long distance, they had, like, a little, like, they had their own texting relationship, which is, like, okay, calm down. Um, but You don't like that? No, I don't like that. Oh, okay. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do like it. 
part of me loves it, but then you know there's a part of me that's just like, okay, what are you saying about me? Um, you think it's about you? I think everything is about me. Um, well, yeah, but maybe it's like what to get you for your birthday. So nice. What? A, yeah, what if it's like, oh, I want to do a surprise. What's her favorite food from her youth? Oh, my God, I'm so negative. You're so right. <laughs> No, you're right. They do like it could be cute for sure. And you know, I think they've also they're like bonded in a way through like mutual traumas. Like, you know, my brother passed away like a while ago, uh, like 2016, and their mom recently passed away. So now there's like a my mom is like mothering them sort of thing vibe going on, which is incredibly precious and I'm very grateful for so are you a drag race person yes I am okay great and you watch Canada's drag race oh my god it was bad though I didn't like it I didn't watch the second season but I thought the first season was great it was okay I feel like I just was like who won I forget Priyanka Priyanka won okay I like who has really been hysterical like I watch a lot of Bob the Drag Queen and Trixie Mattel YouTube stuff and whenever Priyanka's a guest or any podcast she is so funny drag queens are the funniest and they're often like so funny just like off the dome like when I see a live drag show it's incredible um so talented uh, my friends just went to see Trixie and Katya at like radio. I believe it was Radio City Musical. Um, I didn't get to go. I was sad. I love. I'm a huge Katya fan. She's like just deranged in the perfect way. Katya is definitely up there, and I love. I I love that she wouldn't be working if it wasn't for Trixie dragging her along too. <laughs> like I love that she wants to lounge and lay. Like she makes me feel okay about all of my like messy qualities because I'm working. I, feel <laughs> I that. love someone that lounges and I love that Trixie's always like make the dresses and make a profit and she's like bitch, I just want to make some dresses. I don't need to make money off of it. Like I That's just nice. like I like her being a, like, fine, I'll go do this podcast. I, I don't know. I love that. I love that. I love someone who's working, but also not super ambitious about things. It makes me feel better about myself, too. Do you, are you, like, really ambitious? Listen, I'm living my dream life, and I think this is going to be um, best told by an anecdote I was told recently, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, um, Dana Gould's. Like, you know him, Simpsons writer and superstar. So I I guess a bunch of his friends got SNL and not him. I don't know mm-hmm. who he was friends with, the, the story. Maybe you know it. But And he was very bummed. And after reflection, after having a career, he goes, yeah, you're like taught to feel like you didn't get something or get something. But the whole time I was winning, I was working in comedy. Like they trick you into thinking you're not killing it with this like weird competition but you are and that's how I always feel where it's like my life is the best but I am living in a studio apartment so like do I want a house do I want certain things do I want more jobs do I want like I don't know whatever those things are sure but like am I truly in the one percent of dream lives absolutely big facts there's no denying it big facts so 
is it ambitious? So like, yeah, I'm working all the time, but it's because I love it. Like, sometimes I'll forget to even pick up checks when I do comedy. Like, I forget. I just, or I was shooting a show in Finland and I said something like, well, when I'm on vacation and the other girl's like, did you just say you're on vacation? And I'm like, yeah, like. Working vacation? Kind of. Like, <laughs> I don't know. This is like, I'm enjoying this. So um, I'm ambitious, but I'm not in a rush. That's exciting though. Finland. What was it like? Well, the show was basically, so it was me, a comic from India and a comic from South Africa. They've, and they, they came on this podcast and we got to like recap again and we're meeting up in New York in November. I cannot wait. Um, but we were investigating if Finland's truly the happiest country on earth or not. Oh, it's supposed to be the happiest country on earth. Um, statistics, you know, they come out with like things every year. Yeah. And, but they have a highest suicide rate, like very, very high suicide rate, but they are quote unquote, the happiest country on earth. And it's because of like, I don't know if you're a believer of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, I've heard of it. It seems like it checks out to me. Yeah. So all their needs are taken care of by the government. Mm. And so also your identity is not defined by your job or what you do or what you can give. <laughs> like everyone's just See, going to school, going to the crazy. doctors. That's crazy. I wouldn't even know what that's like to not have my identity defined by what I do. And sometimes I think about that and I get a little freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. It's um like people just ride their bikes home like after the day. It, it's, um, like if you live far from the school the government pays for a taxi to take you to and from school everyone eats at school if you get up to three years of parental leave paid the first year is full salary they also send every new parent like a box with like cribs and like bassinet and all these things you need like three years paid well one year is full salary and then two years is like partial salary but you get a living um wage yeah that's bonkers like so one of my days like we would split up on our days and do different things and then meet up at dinner and talk about it yeah and I went to the center for the intellectually disabled for adults and it was like this would ne- you would have to be a multi-millionaire to send someone you love there if you if, in America mm-hmm. and they get to live and commute and like be creative and they speak two language like all these things we don't expect from people they all have cabins you don't have to be rich but it's very isolating they're not there's no like word for please like there's no please thank you there's um they're killing themselves because of the sun but also it's like individualistic in terms of like you would never go i love your skirt (laughs) you would never do that there you would never like um spark a convo with someone like people thought I was nuts when I would smile at them that's yeah that I, I don't know I don't think I would like that I was in Berlin this summer and it was similar in that people are not chit-chatty I chit-chat so much New York City's got to be the most chit-chatty city of all time um, I'm chitting and I'm chatting yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I found that super weird um but they all live in like the most beautiful apartments and you ask them how much they pay and they're like, oh, it's 600 euro. It's so expensive. Um, it's like one to one right now. It's like $600 for a luxurious one bedroom with a terrace and excellent natural light. The, the train was so fast 
and like cheap and regular. Yeah, it's when the government cares about its people. Yeah. And we just, yeah. we've never really experienced that. Mm-hmm. Even Canada, like now that I have experienced Europe, I'm like, Canada's really not that socialist. It's very much capitalist. They just have healthcare. That's like it. But I do feel like I played myself a little bit giving that up. Not gonna lie. It was kind of like pick, like a comedy career or healthcare, you know? Like, it's like, I'll find healthcare through a job, I guess. It's like, I don't even know how that came about. Like, that's such a wild concept. Right. Your job pays for your health. Like, who came up with that? Like, I, I want to know. I don't know. When was healthcare even invented? Like, hospitals have been around, but like, I don't even know what the history of like healthcare is. I know the history of like nationalized medicine, but that wasn't until like after the world wars when like people were all fucked up and like missing limbs and like dying of PTSD and shell shock. They like made the national health service in England. But I guess that just never happened in America. And we were like, okay, like figure it out yourself or it's I don't the know, Puritans. Unions? Unions, the Puritans truly like we're living by their standards. Like our society is built upon puritanical, fucked up religious work for your for work for your lord. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, work for your lord. That is very much the vibe. It's like a creepy Calvinist, like punishment oriented society almost uh that's what we're calling this episode work for your lord <laughs> oh god yeah i don't know it yeah you feel fundamentally unfree i would like to just wake up and make choices and have my life belong to me and i do in many ways relatively but i feel like it's just like a scale and europeans are living further along towards one end for sure yeah like vacation like yeah you're allowed to go on vacation you get to leave work there's just we're just obsessed well obviously because our worth comes from like what we have and money and stuff and so I mean I want like you want to like combat that within yourself but I think it's a little you know I don't want to say naive but when it's reinforced back to you via like every single person you meet and every single context and circumstance you might find yourself in, it's kind of hard to like keep that internal core, right? Like you have to be pretty emotionally disciplined to, or you have to like literally walk away, um, to establish that sense of actually I'm I'm not my job right I'm not who I know or how much I make or where I live or whatever and I did feel that more in in Europe not gonna lie but they don't have air conditioning and they don't have ice and water it's fucking weird I'm like the whole country's piss is yellow like for sure like no question <laughs> they all have piss kinks anyway in Germany so they do yeah. Wait, um, did you go around everywhere or just Berlin for this latest trip? Just Berlin, yeah. Damn, I... what'd you go for? The sex parties or what? Mm. No, I went because a friend was going at the same time and like raved about it. And I'd actually never been to Europe before. And it was supposed to be really cheap. And I knew people there in the city. Great. 
Um, it's really queer, actually. So a bunch of my friends, like, new people there. I found a sublet for super cheap, and I was like, I'm just going to go hang out. I was actually on hiatus from work, so, like, I thought I had a job to come back to. Um, <laughs> but... You know, and that it wound up being like my fuck it vacation. Um, I got into Berghain, which was super, super fun. Um, I did, yeah, I just like did the Berlin summer, just like sat in parks and like fucked around. It was great. It's a fun ass city. Yeah, I really want to go there. I would go to Berlin for sure. Um, are you. Do you have a new job lined up and is it something that you're thinking about or can you chill? I mean, I can chill for a little bit, but I get antsy and I'm a depressive. So if I don't have like stuff to fill my time, I'm like not, I feel like I'm just like chasing my tail a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, I, I'm, it's good to keep busy. I sound like my mother. Holy fuck. Uh, and do you want to write in the same style of show that you had been working on late night? Um, you know, I wouldn't turn down a late night gig, but I want to be inscripted ultimately. Um, I, you know, I have management, I'm working on a pilot like everybody else. Uh, there's a lot of really talented writers looking for work right now. Um, yeah. so we'll see like what, the upcoming staffing season looks like, but I have submitted packets and sent out samples. So TBD, TBD. Yeah. It's, um, it's fucked up. Like I think auditions are hard, but like having to write packets to do a thing, which you obviously have to prove you can do the thing, but I, I early on said I will never, I don't do that. It's spec, you know, you're writing for free. Um, and I mean, it's kind of like I used to be in the magazine world and they make you do something called an edit test, but it's literally just you're working for free um, to audition for a job that you may or may not get in a dying industry. It's pretty bleak. Um, the journalism's a dying industry, magazines. Mm, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Mm hmm. It's been like a lot of migration actually from like the magazine world into the late night space. Damn. Yeah. And how do you compare the office dynamic politics between magazine world and late night comedy world? Same pet peeves, different? Pet peeves, no different for sure. Um, comedy is like a lot more egalitarian, I find magazines are like a lot more snooty like everybody went to like harvard or whatever and like my comedy colleagues people that are like very successful either like didn't go to college or uh you know went to like suny binghamton or something like i love a bing boy don't get me wrong but um it's just like a different almost like a different class sensibility or something like there's something called summer Fridays in the magazine world where it's like in the summer it's like you just get off at like one or 2 p.m with the assumption that you're gonna like go off to your Hamptons house or whatever for the weekend and that's just crazy to me <laughs> you can also just go for a happy hour I am um, I do like the idea but I don't think people should be working on Fridays at all like I don't know 
it's not not working on Fridays that's the issue. It's like the culture behind that specific summer Friday tradition, mm. um, which is steeped in wealth. Well, yeah, I used to love Glamour magazine. Oh, I used to love all the magazines. I'm actually a magazine head if I'm like at the airport or whatever. But mm-hmm. well, Glamour is like I, a little different. I I'm, I mean more like the Atlantic, the New Yorker, New York Mag. Like, well, no, I'm with. So in the beginning, they would like, you know. I don't know what it's called. Please don't judge me. Like the credits in the beginning of the magazine. <laughs> the masthead. Yeah. So it would be, they would circle a couple of the fun names and there'd be a topic and it'd be like best new item of clothing in your closet, your go to this. Yes. And the things these people were choosing were like 400, like I was also a child. So maybe I do spend that amount of money on stuff now that I couldn't imagine before, mm-hmm. but I was like, damn, these magazine bitches are rich. Like I remember being like, D- I can't afford that. But now it's like, uh, now that I know, and I have context, I feel like they're all rich kids that interned and then are able to just like write about belts for glamor. Exactly. And they yeah. don't need the paycheck. They don't, they don't need the paycheck. They're, and yeah, they're called Condé Nasties, and they will show up in head-to-toe Balenciaga, and it's like, I know for a fact that you make, like, 60K tops. How is this working? You know what I mean? Um, family money. Ow. Which I'm fine with. My big thing, and I will, I'm going to keep... I mean, I'm sure, everyone, this isn't, like, some unique thing. I, I don't under... Why can't rich people just admit they're rich? Just be just honest. Just say it. It's okay. I just don't understand their refusal to ever admit it. I don't know. It is. Um, I just did a show a couple weeks ago, and there was an elder, an older couple that looked out of place. This was like at a surf store, and so I go, "Oh, you live around here? Are you guys rich?" And the guy went, uh, 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 "And everyone started laughing, and everyone knew immediately what was going on." It's like you're rich. Just say yes, motherfucker. Like it's always like, "Well, I know someone with a helicopter. I know this, right?" Oh, I don't know. Oh, we are comfortable, and it's like, what the fuck? No, New York is the capital of that. It's so stupid it's just say it just say it it's okay we all know anyway I feel like I developed a special skill in New York where I'm like "Mm, there's some math that's not mathing and I feel like I understand what the implied what the implication is there which is that you have a lot of money but you're not comfortable talking about it you know it's whatever you could just say it I'm not gonna like hate you for having wealth like I just watched an interview with someone and they asked how they got into the industry they did and they just skirted around the issue that their mother is incredibly famous and that helped and they put out this narrative of like I just was found and worked hard and it's like bitch just say it it is okay why are you hiding this it makes it seem even weirder yeah it's super weird like people like change their names and like go out of their way to like obscure it i mean nepotism is real really no no no, yes montreal canada Canada. but born in brooklyn but robbie hoffman she's uh she's been on the pod with steph tolev another Uh canada Uh they were enemies Uh uh-huh and Robbie says this thing. I mean, I'm obsessed with her, but like she says rich people get everything. The only thing you don't have is that you can't say you're self-made. That's it. 
That's all rich people can't be is self-made. And for some reason, they cannot handle that. They can't handle it. Except Kate Hudson. She's just like, look at me. My mom is Coldie Hawn. And I'm like, yes, bitch. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I don't. But I'm also OK with nepotism. Like if I owned a mechanic shop and my son was a mechanic, no one would ma- care. You know, if like mm-hmm. someone took over the family business or like, yeah, your mom's creative. So you want to act too. like the Demi Moore kids. At least they they admit it. They're mm-hmm. like our parents are Bruce Willis and Demi Moore. But like so many little secrets out there and I don't get it I know I mean I okay so if you're a nepotism baby and you suck though I feel like I feel comfortable making fun of you yeah are you thinking of someone I thought of someone as you said that well it's also like I was thinking of I don't know if you remember this this happened on Twitter where it was like there was a specific trade announcement where it was like Ben Stiller's child, Steven Spielberg's child, and like someone else's super famous kid. And Ben Stiller got really angry. People were like obviously dunking on it. And Ben Stiller got really upset about it and like went on a whole thing. And then everyone started dunking on Ben Stiller. Um, It could be that your kid is talented, but it's just so embarrassing if you're not. Like, I just think that's embarrassing. Yeah. And Ben Stiller, your parents are famous. Right. You would right, not right, be right, here. Right. No, it your was parents actually... are comedic icons. So it's like for him to talk about meritocracy. I remember that Twitter thread because I, I love Meet the Parents. OK, yeah. um, I'm a fan. Yeah. But honey, your parents are beloved icons. Yes. So two levels stop. deep two levels deep i'm trying to think of the second yeah like susan sarandon's daughter is not really you know meryl streep's daughter's acting it's like it's tough i when i when you said i don't know if you're a real housewives person or not but um did you watch the jersey where it was billy joel's daughter and christy brinkley's daughter was singing was she really bad it was tough yeah it was tough but it's also like a hot girl thing too, like with yeah. her too. So it's like rich and hot. Yeah, yeah. And that's um, two levels of like here you could do what you want and yeah. we'll pretend. It's yeah. Honestly, it's none of my business. Like go off, do what you need to do. Um, I just don't have that, so I'm gonna head down, power through. You know, like I feel like you can be bitter really easily too. Like people get bitter about that kind of thing, where it's like okay. Um, this is also embarrassing for you. (laughs) Yes. I just wish there was more transparency of like, I don't get why people are ashamed. I don't know. I know. And internal. So I, we just, I keep bringing up my other podcasts, but we interviewed Brooke Smith and she is an actress and she, I don't know if you've seen silence of the lambs. I'm assuming you have, she's the woman in the well. Okay. And she's in Grey's Anatomy. I mean, she's had a lovely career for decades. Mm -hmm. Um, But Silence of the Lambs is obviously the big hit. And her mom was a giant publicist. Huge. Like Meryl Streep, like one of the most famous publicists ever. Mm -hmm. And Vulture did an oral history of Silence of the Lambs. And she straight up is like, well, my mom got me connected with this person. And that's how I got the audition. And that's that. My mom was famous. And like we got to interview her. And I told her, I go, you're the only person I go. I am so like, I can't believe how refreshing it was. I think that's what like sparked me being like, yeah, why don't more people just say it? Yeah. And she goes, I think it's because people think that that means they're not as talented. 
And mm. so suddenly if you had an in that you're not talented and it's like, I don't even think that's what the bitter people or any of us are even saying, you know? No, I don't think it's necessarily about not being talented. I feel like the stakes are higher if you aren't. Like, if you are, that's <laughs> great. But it's like, for some reason, I feel like people judge a little harsher um, if you got the leg up. You know who's really good about that, too, is Jane Fonda was always, like, back in the day, straight up, like, yeah, it's because my dad is Peter Fonda, you know? Like, this is why I'm getting the audition. There's people that are, like, good about it, for sure. Um, I think, you know, it's bad if... If anyone's bad, it's embarrassing, right? So I don't want to, like, single people out or anything like that. But, yeah, I don't know. It's tough because it's also, like, a diversity thing, right? Like it just keeps things going where it's like, okay, nepotism, baby, I get it. Who's in the, who's getting in the door, right? That also matters. So I think that's part of the resentment too, for some people. Um, now it's the same thing as the magazine world. It's like, good for you that you're able to pursue this and you have this leg up, but not everyone does. And it's okay for you to be honest about that. Like it's worse if you're not, you can't change the fact of who you are. So you might as well just like have integrity and be like upfront about it. Yeah. I That's agree all. with that. That's all. Um, outside of nepotism, are there other things that bother you out in the magazine, comedy, or professional worlds? Wait, that's so funny because I think black nepotism is fine. I'm um, okay with that. Yeah. I feel like certain nepotisms are okay. What else that bothers me in the comedy world? I don't know. I feel like I don't like when people are assholes, obviously. Well, yeah, but that's not like, uh, specific to our, um, to our industry. <laughs> assholes are everywhere. I don't like when people use their platforms to pick on people, like to punch down, um, especially people who don't like would just get annihilated if you if you did that you know what I mean like if you sicked all their fault all your followers on them or or whatever um but wait do you do you see what happened to the New York Times that critic that said something about bodies 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 oh my god yes I like dunking on them <laughs> that was fun that was so stupid oh my god what an asshole speaking of nepotism yeah <laughs> right also a nepotism baby <laughs> That was so embarrassing for them. Um, they also just, like, trashed their whole life in, like, one go, which is impressive. <laughs> like, people had so many receipts on them. Like, yeah. shit just came out of the woodwork. Um, I think that, yeah, they deactivated. They were, like, transphobic in the past or something. Yikes. The internet is crazy. Like, people... People will find anything and everything you've ever done, um, but deserved, felt pointed and rude and out of nowhere and just like self-aggrandizing and like, I'm the victim in this situation, just like entitled, 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 um, which rings true with some, some people who are nepotistic. I love comedy. I think it's like more egalitarian and like more honest and straightforward than people realize like yes entertainment is bullshit but like the realest people I've met are in comedy for sure realist in the professional sense as well um which is rare I don't know it's definitely like it's it's funny that I say it's like the healthiest 
sort of like work sphere I've been in, but it, it is for whatever reason. Um, no, it is. My friend um, works at South by and he has worked with all the genres, right? The film, the music, all of it. And he said his favorite is the comedians. Yeah. Yeah. I think that comedians get like an inordinately bad rap sometimes or I'm like all of our like bad guys are really up there, like out there as bad guys. But it's like we're not out here talking about Dr. Luke. I'm like, he just did Doja Cat's record. You know what I mean? Like shit is fucked up like really fucked up in the music industry. Well, Issa Rae did an interview this past year and she said, like, I think she started a record label, I think. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that the music industry is the most fucked one she's ever been a part of. That's what I've heard from peers. Well, it's mostly business people preying on the creatives. Like we're all just so desperate to work and to like be able to do what we do. Mm-hmm. And um, they know that. Mm-hmm. And so we're just, um, it's just like business people ruining. Like I always think about people with contracts and jobs, like they get a job and they get ga- cast in something else. And then like the studio won't let them do this other project. And it's like, go fuck yourself. Let this actor be in two things. You know, it's like, they just own you cause you get to be in one project and like, you have to ask permission to work on anything else. It's sick, but it's, we it, want it. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like comics, are have like a little more freedom in that way where it's like you it's easier to like work for yourself oh 100 percent. in terms of like acting music all of that yeah like comedy you can do it yeah any night there's no barrier to entry to be mm-hmm. honest like you can mm-hmm. go to an open mic and you can do it mm-hmm. um so yeah i like you can always do comedy yeah that's what i like about it i feel like that's definitely what i like about it the low barrier to entry um, maybe it's almost like more on merit and less on bullshit where it's like, if it's funny, it's funny. Like that's not really up for debate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Obviously people have their own tastes, but funny is funny. Um, yeah. I also, I, I love, um, so I'm really lucky in terms of stand up too, where I feel like I do the alt scene. I do all the clubs. I kind of go everywhere. And mm-hmm. so I get to hear what everyone has to say, which I like. Um, and I feel like a lot of the kind of classic white guy stand-up punchline, this is what stand-up is. Mm-hmm. They're always like, oh, they haven't been doing it as long, or why do they have this, why do they have that? And I'm like, they're dynamic. You're boring. You don't have yeah. a personality. No one yeah. cares about your punchline setup. Like, you're not hot. You don't, you don't have fashion. You don't have flair. You don't know how to look people in the eye. You don't know how to do all of these things that it takes to be successful. And that's why this person who is quote unquote doing it less than you, or you don't, you feel better than them. That's why they're succeeding. They're a a full human. They're better than you. Right. It's hard to just tell someone like they are, they're better. They're better. (laughs) They have a better personality. They're better to be around. They have more to say. You're boring. Mm -hmm. No matter Mm -hmm. how many fun punchlines you have, you're boring Mm -hmm. and you're not vulnerable in any way and no one will connect with you. And that's Mm -hmm. why these people are more successful than you. It's true. It's an age thing as well. Like the old guard where it's like, okay, you know, you can have a stage presence beyond I'm up here telling jokes, right? Like you can be dynamic. You can have a personality. It's not illegal. I'm like, is it a, is it a masculinity thing or something? I don't know. 
we are like, oh, it's just the jokes. I don't right. know. I think yeah. that's like dying out. It's like purist <laughs> thing. I think it's dying out too, for sure. People, um, well, if you're a drag race person, you know this, the most vulnerable queens usually win, you know? Like, I know. be yourself, have the breakdown, be like Simone, obviously top of her game on everything, mm-hmm. but also like cries and has weakness and is giving us that and we fall in love with that person outside of their talent exactly you want to root for them i have to want to root for you yeah for sure and that's what i think a lot of people miss are lacking yeah goddess yeah Um, how did you get in get in to to comedy what did you like was it all canada stuff no no i mean i'm not i'm not really a stand-up so i got in like more on uh, people liked my sense of humor online. And so I got in on like the production side of things. Um, I got my first job off of Twitter. Um, and yeah, people like to hate on that. I was just talking to someone who's really talented and working and he was like, he's about to work with for someone that got popular doing front facing videos. And he was mm-hmm. like, well, this guy's awesome. But like, you know, it, I don't really respect that. I'm like, why (laughs) it seems like they're really funny video like a lot of people made really funny stuff like why why hate on it and that's how I feel yeah I don't get it I mean I feel like yeah there's like a ranking of like types of comedy people don't love twitter comics I I get that you know it doesn't translate for everyone necessarily like some people are very funny on twitter and not like you wouldn't want to see them do stand up. You wouldn't want to see something they wrote necessarily, but they are very good at Twitter or whatever it may be, TikTok. Uh, and that's legit because people love that shit. It like makes people happy. I know I've been like in a terrible mood and gone on Twitter and it's turned me right around. Like the queen dying was gotta be like one of the funniest days on twitter in so long i think collective joy is great and it's like kind of sad when people shit on it i don't know maybe it's because they're not good at it or they think that they could i don't know everyone's just i think everyone hates everything because of insecurity that's I just true. came up with that but that's where that's where i'm going with it where it's like why yeah why are you hating on this thing that makes people happy I, you're projecting your insecurity most likely um, if you don't like it, that's great. You know, that's fine for you, but people do and people engage, but yeah, I don't know. It's different working on a TV show. It's really different. Um, you have Twitter. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of like skills you learn, right? Like, but for me that translated and I love it. I've always loved storytelling. Um, I wanted to be a writer when I was a kid for the longest time, but I thought I would be like a novelist or something, but a screenplay is, you know, it's, it's a play written around commercial breaks. So, you know, some of my favorite TV shows, it's like, they almost exist in that like play space, like the, the Damon Lindelof stuff, for example. Um, What is it? 
uh, Damon Lindelof, like the the guy who does like Watchmen. He did Lost, which you know I've never actually seen Lost, but um, The Leftovers, which is one of my favorite shows like ever. It's you know um, it's like set in the future. It's like sort of like dystopic. It's about a cult, but the way it's written, you know, almost reminds me of like a stage play. So I don't know, there's overlap, I think, with comedy, that's the great thing about it. It's like it goes in so many different directions where you could do like, you know, short form comedy, TikTok, whatever. You could do like traditional stand up, you know, jokes, callbacks, etc. You could do um, improv, like off the dome, like the Queens or like Jesus and Miro. There's just so many fucking directions you can take it. Um, And that's great. And that's why I love it. I also, like, I've always found it... I don't like to get boxed into things. I've never been someone who's, like, way better at one thing than all the other things. I've always been equally good at everything. Oh, (laughs) love that. It's hard to find a thing to specialize in. When you feel like, okay, I can do this well, I can do this well, I can do this well. And I think that's like sort of immigrant eldest daughter hyper competency in some ways. Um, So it's more about finding the things that like give you joy, right? Like, what do I actually like to do? I almost went, you know, classic story, almost went to med school. um, Didn't (laughs) just like... No, keep going. I have a bad problem interrupting. I will let you no finish worries. your <laughs> No, I, I was just going to say, like, I didn't find any joy in that. I don't, I like, couldn't see myself doing that for ever. Um, even though I love helping people, right? And I think it's, like, such a noble thing to do with your life. It's amazing that you're healing people, right? Um, but I just loved writing and I loved creative shit so I was like I'm gonna go in like a creative direction and of course my parents like flipped a shit <laughs> what were you so gonna how say? did you separate that were you able to be like I don't care did you have to convince them did you want their approval like what was that well I kind of was like when I left the house I had student loans so I was like okay I have money like I can work whatever I'm gonna do what I want vibes Um, I tried at first I did try and it just made me really unhappy and it was really stressful and it was high stakes because college isn't free it's really expensive and it felt like the clock was ticking so I was you know I I just made a call (laughs) I kind of it was probably like the first big decision I made in my life that like you know wasn't what my parents wanted so you were an obedient child up until then you would say Absolutely. Um, I was obedient and just like so repressed. Um, and I feel like because I was repre- like because I was repressed, I had so much energy to like put into things. Like my cheeks were just like clenched metaphorically and I like didn't get that. So I just like tried really hard at everything and like didn't realize I wasn't really doing what I wanted to do. I thought I was doing the right thing because I was like honoring my parents and their sacrifice and stuff like that. So, but also I didn't ask to be born. And once I squared that, it made it a little easier, I guess. 
Yeah, older generations were not as concerned with joy, but also maybe Maslow's hierarchy and they didn't have that shot. But this, we're very into enjoying our lives, which I think is a it's nice. Um, I, what I was going to say earlier was, that's so funny that you're like, no, I'm good at so many things. I feel for me, it's like, it's this or being a receptionist. Like there's no really in between yeah i feel with comedy it's like i can do stand-up i know i can do stand-up yeah so you're good. so funny you're and really good at i appreciate it but that's like my thing and then yeah. um everything else i'm like like i'll show you my you know <laughs> <laughs> and there's another one <laughs> yes like i am unorganized i can't respond to emails i can't clean i can't or like i can't do some I majored in sociology which is not fully even real you know yeah yeah it's just like people are poor life is hard it's like uh there's which I'm grateful for that I have had that perspective maybe I wouldn't be as like in tune with how society affects us or something but mm -hmm. it's not a real major mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I majored in English with a specialty in early modern literature See, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of the people that can know where to put a comma and write and stuff and like have that discipline because it's hard to sit and do it. And I feel like you probably learned a lot of that in school. Yeah, I did. Um, I don't really use it, though. Not as much anymore. I well, that's not true. I'm that's writing. Not true I, at all. It's not true. I'm. I, I use it. I use it for sure. It's all it's the helpful. time. <laughs> it's helpful. It's very helpful. That's probably how you were able to do those tweets, you know, so perfectly, right? I love comprehension I love, of the language. I love close reading. You know, like actually, I picked that so dumb because I picked that specialization because I thought it would just be like shorter. To be honest, like I was being lazy. I was like should I read entire novels? What if I just read like short little plays and like sonnets and shit, you know, like it's just less pages, but it turned out to be way more complicated. And I had to learn how to close read and like break down meter and shit like that. Like, you know, iambic pentameter, whatever. We learned that stuff in high school, but then it was like I chose to take it further for some reason. But it but of course that helps write television. Mm -hmm. Because TV is like so compacted, right? It's so like you math. have to uh, dialogue has to like you have to do a lot with very little words, I guess, when you're writing like TV. Um, the yeah, you, it's show don't tell, right? Um, economy of words, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I watched someone's movie and they had, <laughs> people are going to know who it is, but there was a voiceover narration and the character did stand up throughout. And it's like, that means you didn't write a good movie. Like if you need voiceover and your character doing stand up, what are, what is the movie then? <laughs> like what you're the literally fuck? telling and not showing. Um, <laughs> yeah. My, I hate so much. I or like I get so much like secondhand embarrassment from when people write stand up into something and it's like really bad stand up. Yeah, hacks <sighs> I feel did the best. I think hacks like hacks. Good. I yeah. enjoyed Gene Smart's jokes. I love Gene Smart. Uh, I love Hannah Einbinder. Like I love that show. Um, obsessed it, with that show. Obsessed with was, that show. Yeah. For the Dykes, we love it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, deserved. So deserved her Emmy. Um, 
only want good things for for Jean. Well acted, great jokes throughout, the wardrobe, the setting, the sh- everything of that show is like masterful. Mm-hmm. I'm always so impressed. Like it's so impressive. It's so impressive. Knowing know. how hard it is to make stuff. I think that's that's something that my parents have been able to kind cuz we grew up we went to the movies every Friday. We love TV. We love like Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um but as an outsider, you don't really know what goes into everything. And like my parents, they just have such a different perspective on everything. So much work. And, I, and me as well. Like to make a show that good, so hard. Yeah. Lucia, 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 Aniela, I think it's Lucia. Um, yeah. Also, Broad City is just like a genius, uh, obviously. Um, and I loved like how much the show created its own little like universe and sensibility even though it was so like tightly focused like there weren't that many characters um and each character on screen just had like such a massive presence meg stalter paul downs everybody meg stalter is so silly and funny and goofy and i love i love i love but also that's a front-facing video person so how and could you shit on that? Doesn't even stop. Like she doesn't have to keep making new ones, yeah. but she does. Because they're hilarious. I know, but I I just feel some people don't have that consistent work ethic and want things from their video. I'm thinking of like specific situations or conversations mm-hmm. I've had, but um I just mm-hmm. love that she's working, she's on movie sets, she's like so busy, but also still doing it for the gram. And I love that. I love that. So like for the people, for, for her public, like me, you know, it cheers me up so much. Um, I love the fashion. I love this generation. Um, I feel like I'm a little older than that crew, but what they've brought that I love is fashion, fashion, a look Mm -hmm. like experiment, like having that be a part of it. I just feel for so long, women were told like wear jeans, dress like a man. Don't, don't force attention. You can't show your tits. You can't do this. You can't do that. Yeah. I just love this like queer girl fun vibe in the past few years. It's great. It's great. People are dressing cute. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, I don't want people to mute themselves. Like, but that was the vibe for so long. Like it should be only your jokes. Like you shouldn't be distracting from your jokes. Well, what like? But that also comes from like it's such a patriarchy thing where it's like if you dress up like a girl, people will focus on wanting to fuck you versus your jokes. Like that is where it came from. Or like That's one bullshit, of my friends. This was yeah. like over a decade ago at this point. Yeah. But she was featuring for a comedian in Chicago, and she was wearing a dress, and he straight up was like, "No one wears dresses. You can't wear dresses. Put on pants." And it bothered her and it bothers all of it. And it's like, what are you doing telling someone what to wear on stage? That's so fucked. But that's, I think, the vibe. And when you talk to the old school about the 80s, 90s and like what you could and couldn't do. And there was a lot of restrictions. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now there's like comics wearing crop tops and it's amazing. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. We love a crop top. I think so it's like because I've heard people shitting on it where it's like oh the hot body girl or like oh this and that and it's like yeah but isn't that awesome I love hot girls <laughs> I don't I don't see the problem I, I don't, don't see either. the problem well um, it's it's basically like um if you get to control your hotness then it's like an issue 
Mm. Like if you're profiting off of it or using it, then it's like unfair to others or whatever it is. So it's like if you're being exploited, hell yes. But if you're taking charge of being a slut, no, no. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a classic sexist stance, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like we want to ogle, oogle, Mm -hmm. ogle at you. Mm -hmm. But if you suddenly take your slutty body and promote a comedy show, that's bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. But it's like, but if that's what's drawing you to the show, that's on you, bro. Right? Right. That sounds like a you problem. Yeah. You could go to lots of different shows that don't get your dick hard, but for some reason it's working. So for why are you pissed? For some reason you are drawn to this and, and upset enough to comment. I don't know. I think it's bullshit, obviously. Um, but also like, I don't know. It's nice. I feel like male comics don't also like dress super boring either like i feel like people are able to dress their personality across gender um non-binary whatever yeah like i would say the like the fashion crew i can't think of oh no some straight dudes are dressing nice yeah yeah like i'll see like a pink sock or like an accessory and i'm like go eat like a little pop personality like go off you know like i I see you I think that's from the NBA. I would say that mm. kind of helped men, I think, flare it up a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, men of color, uh, black men, oh, Dominican men. I'm in New York. I'm like, flare is not an issue here, baby. <laughs> These men love flare. <laughs> God bless, yeah. I'm obsessed. Um, any other final things about, and like, what did you think we were going to talk about? Anything that comes to mind, any issues you'd like to bring forth, any, anything you want sound off kind of like a less culturistas. I don't think so, honey, mm. <laughs> but long, not a minute, not timed, whatever. <laughs> and no matter how hard I try, I always just get back to talking shit about like, like it always gets back to like men being a problem in our lives i mean that's that's a through line isn't it It, it's always a through line but i feel repetitive but almost every episode spirals into these men are telling us how to dress and what to say always i need a new story i need a new fucking Mm. spin but i i get interviewed a lot not a lot but i was um right now the trend in interviewing comedians is cancel culture what do you think about cancel culture what's the state of comedy and i was asked by a dude who i could tell wanted to talk about like he said what's the state of comedy thinking i'd be like we can't say anything and i was like listen my friends are making money we're booked i love it i'm like there's jobs for everybody everywhere i look someone is doing something incredible and maybe that's the algorithm but i'm like i'm celebrating wins multiple times a week mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. to me it seems like the state of comedy is fantastic comedy is better than it's ever been in my yeah. lifetime anyway like people are killing it in a way that is like pushing boundaries too um i don't know i like i'm very honored and pleased to be a part of this community um I did think we were going to talk about, like, beef the whole time. I kind of was like, oh, should I come to the table with a list of my enemies? <laughs> did you make a list? No, um, <laughs> not really. Oh, my God, not again. I mean, my enemy is, like, the Amazon guy. I would be, like, my enemy is the TD Bank uh, in Fort 
green Clinton Hill, the one on Myrtle that ate my debit card the third day into the pandemic um, when everything was shut down. Truly like one of the most awful things that's ever happened. Um, What did you do? I actually, I had to tweet them um, repeatedly (laughs) before they fixed it and they ended up mailing me one. I just feel like that would have been so scary, like putting myself into what was happening March 2020 to not have access to my debit would be. Yeah, it was it was really scary. Um, I mean, I still had like I could still buy stuff because it was like connected to things, but I didn't have it if I like wanted to go out. It was it was terrible. Um, But it was like one of those things where it's so embarrassing to have to tweet and be like. God, like help me at TD bank, like whatever. I know, but that's on them. It's like, there's no better way to get in touch with people. They don't give a shit about you customer service until it's like public and a tattletale situation. It's so fucking crazy. It's like for three days I was trying to do it. And then I tweeted and it was fixed in like a half hour. Yeah. Um, Bullshit. But yeah, that's fucking enemy number one for life. Uh. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's people I don't like, but I don't have like beefs. I'm too lazy, honestly. You're too, you're so you're not argumentative. I am argumentative, but when I think of like enemy and beef, I think of like lifelong, not lifelong, but like extended, protracted like hate for someone. And I just like don't have that emotional energy. Like I said, I'm a depressive, so I'm like I tend to like wear my emotions on my sleeve. Like if I don't like what's going on, I will tell you what's going on. I don't like what's going on. Um, I'm respectful and I'm polite until, you know, people cross me and then it's like, okay, do we have an issue? Do we have an issue? Um, but that's rare. Most people are nice. I don't know. To me anyway. Yeah. Are there any celebrities you irrationally hate? fucking hate Jared Leto. I don't know why that like popped front of yeah, mind. Yeah, but we know why. He deserves mm. to not be liked. If you don't treat crew well, you're all right. If you don't, that's like gross. To yeah. me, it's gross. When I hear about people misbehaving at yeah. work, I don't yeah. like that. Yeah. So he's gross and he hasn't really been, he, he has not faced any accountability for, he's also had like allegations against him. Um, which have never like really popped in the public sphere. Um, Anthony Anderson was also just like, like he literally plays a cop on law and order. And this guy has so many allegations against him. I'm just naming people who have allegations against them. I'm realizing (laughs) I'm like, who is a harmless celebrity that I don't like? Um, Just because I find them annoying. I'm thinking, what about you? I always say Olivia Munn, but I don't even know if I feel that way fully. Like, does she deserve my hate? Probably not. I feel like I don't know anything about her except for she was on the newsroom and it was so bad. <laughs> it was so, so bad. Um, it was just like, um, I'm hot. I love video games. Here's a career. Like, it just was like, do the skills match up? But also like, who cares? She made some money is she bad probably not she stood up to people for guardians of the galaxy i'm done hating on her oh gal Gadot, yuck really yeah 
she's like so obsessed with Israel. I don't know. Well, she's from there. She's You're like, for some reason, she can't stop talking about Israel. It's like, that is. <laughs> um her home i don't know but have, do you is there anyone that like in person you would run in like let's say you're at a party is there someone mm-hmm. could they be there that the energy would shift for you and you would feel uncomfortable or that does not exist for you just like anyone not a celebrity yeah, yeah. Like, for, like are there people where you're like f- when you walk mm-hmm. into a party or gathering and you see them you're like oh fuck i have to avoid that person yes i do have that they are exes um mm. for the most part uh i did squash a beef recently there was there was there was some i feel like i've squashed all those beefs i did at some point in my 20s have that but now it's like reached the point where, you know, we like talked about it. We're both adults and we're not best friends. We're barely acquaintances. We don't have to like stiffen up if we see each other at a party. I've been squashing beefs left and right and it feels awesome and great. But yeah, it definitely took me years to get to a place where I had to learn like, oh yeah, this doesn't matter. That's better to feel this way or that way. But it feels awesome to squash some beefs. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even remember how this started. It's yeah. just been bad vibes for years, you know? But I don't really have that anymore, which is fucking nice. Also, pandemic has made it so I'm just like, well, we all almost died. Yeah. Shit just seems less important Yeah. Um, on that front. But yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of people I find fucking annoying and I would stay <laughs> away from them, not because it was awkward, but because I wouldn't want to have a conversation right there's yeah. a lot of people that talk too much at parties dude so stop <laughs> talking at me uh my friend a long time ago she told me you can hate people that are mean but you can't hate people that are annoying they can't help it i know and i, 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 I hardly know that. <laughs> yeah that's i mean that's that's very fair that's very fair i have hate in my heart for very few people it's so much energy to hate people though like mm-hmm. It's a lot of energy, and I feel like once you let go of some beefs, like, you're just, I'm like, oh, my God, I have so much more energy socially. Um, I don't know if I'm an introvert, but people, you know, being around people can be draining, um, especially, like, comics, because they're also, like, on all the time, you know? People are just so funny and on, and... I just, I, you know, I keep up, I try to keep up, but then also sometimes I'm like, oh, I, I'm just going to like sit here and stare at a wall, guys. Um, hope that's cool. I feel like I'm describing myself and I'm like, am I so boring? I sound so boring. You don't, but it's a fear that we all have. I'm constantly at things talking to me like, does anyone even fucking care? I ran into, well, not ran into, <laughs> Um, San Diego, I met some people after a show and someone mentioned something and I go, oh my God, I forget that like you listen to the pod. So, you know, stuff. Mm -hmm. And she said, yeah, you talk about yourself a lot. (laughs) I was like, damn. Yeah. I was like, you're listening, bitch. But yeah, (laughs) I was like, fuck. It is my podcast. Am I talking about myself too much? But yeah, I'm a chatter. That's what I do. I'm telling you, I've like... It's what I talk. Yeah. 
Yeah. I talk and guess what if you feel uncomfortable in a situation I I sense it in my bones and I'll probably talk to you and you're welcome just go fuck yourself all of my friends I mean I'm a chit chatter too sometimes I'm like I don't know if I'm reading this right have I exhausted you it goes both ways and I, you know I think part of me is also like projecting where I'm like I probably think I've everyone thinks I'm so boring but it's not the case at all it's like a fear yeah it's like we're all just like in situations I want to meet people that aren't like am I boring do people hate me what's going on did I say something wrong fuck should I have stayed should I have gone like that's I need to exhausting. Out. so that's when I just smoke weed yeah well that's so funny I'm like already holding a lighter just like ready like ready. ready i always try to cut back and the past few weeks i'm like you know what i'm gonna go hardcore i want to be a fucking stoner the past few weeks next few weeks do it. do it i need it it's like the number one thing i'm gonna miss about uh jesus and mira like so encouraged in the workplace truly truly so encouraged. like we got little lighters we got like lighters to torch our jays like nice ones i'm telling you i learned a lot about working with them early in my career because I was like, oh, that this is how I want to be. I mm-hmm. want to be fun, chill. Why, why am I stressing? I create stress for myself and it's so unnecessary. I need to just chill out. But it's weird because I feel like I am chill in the sense that, you know, I smoke, I hang, but I'm, all, I'm actually not. I'm like a little... A little tightly wound yeah yeah if we're running even a little bit late to a concert you'll see the worst of my personality i only, i know that only true friends will stick through me after running late to an event exactly. those are true friends exactly. exactly and they know to like let me just stare into the distance and be stressed um mm-hmm. and it's nice to feel understood and like accepted by friends that'll let you be the worst version of yourself for no reason pandemic is so good for that honestly like i made my friend go to the backstreet boys concert we got we were supposed to meet friends at 6 45 for like an eight o'clock show or 7 30 show and i was so scared we got there so early we had to wait for my friend for an hour and my friend who was waiting with me was like i'd rather this than be stressed with you in traffic like i'd rather stand outside here for an hour doing nothing than be with your nasty anxiety self in a car me on the way to the airport anytime i take a plane I fly too much, so I've, um, that's like a different, I don't, yeah. I feel nothing. I'm yeah. diamond. I feel oh, respected. Yeah. And yeah, you're on the road a lot, right? Yeah, so that is my, like, I, I've learned not to stress, and if something gets canceled, it's like, that's part of the game. I've, mm-hmm. le- I've learned to be pretty zen in terms of flying. God bless, yeah. And I'm high. Okay, I'm going to spark this. Tell everyone where they can find you, where, yeah, all of that stuff that people usually say. So you can find me on Twitter, and it's at Mona, M-U-N-A underscore Meyer, M-I-R-E. My website is monameyer.com. Um, you, I have an essay coming out in the Times you should look out for. Okay, wow. Yeah, I'm going to start a... I'm like starting a live comedy show in Brooklyn soon with a bunch of stand-ups that I love. So look out for that. And I am looking for a job. So if you have one for me, let me know. That's amazing. I would love to, I would feel really special if you got a job from just this pod. (laughs) And the times that's incredible. Have you been to the times before? 
once um, in like 2016. Okay. Wow. Yeah. In a minute. This is huge. I hope I get to see you in New York one time in person. We'll please. I would love that. Smoke together. Thank you so much. Okay, that was cool and fun. You guys love everything. I have to go put some eyeliner on. Bye. Enemies is a headgum podcast. Anya Konevskaya is our supervising producer. Ali Kahan is our associate producer. Rochelle Chen is our engineer, editor, and producer. And me, Lisa Traeger. I am also a producer. Hello. Thank you so much, Carly Jean Andrews, for the cover art. You are incredible. Jeff Krause, thank you for the theme music. I love it. Please follow me on Instagram, at Glitter Cheese and at Enemies Podcast. Rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. Tell us about your own enemies by emailing enemiesthepodcast at gmail.com. But really, I'd love to hear your beautiful voices. So email us a voice memo or call in and leave a message at 323-677-1943. That was a HeadGum Podcast.